Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Are you worried about coronavirus? Concerned that every place you go might be infected? What if you've been around somebody who coughs? Does it kind of rattle you? Well, Dr. Martin Johnson is on the line. He's a psychologist with decades of experience helping people to manage stress and anxiety and a variety of other issues. And, you know, never before has there been such a need for a calming presence to quiet our fears. Dr. Johnson, I'm delighted to have you with me tonight. It's good to be with you, Kathy. Thank you. A lot of folks are dutifully concerned. You know, they turn on the television, they look at what's going on in the media, they hear these statistics, the constant 24-hour news cycle, and it's really ratcheting up the anxiety and stress for a lot of people. What are some things, some tips that we could all consider that will help us to deal with this extreme level of uncertainty? Well, you know, there's lots of things we can do. And, and one of them is to sort of put ourselves on a, on a news diet, right? It's very easy to sort of uh, be online, be on the phone, uh, have the television set to the news and just sort of watch it, uh, you know, almost continuously. And, and really at this point, there's not a lot of breaking news that we just have to know in the next five minutes. So, so I'd encourage people to check in once or twice a day, on the headlines, and then otherwise sort of let's direct our attention to some other things. How can you get yourself to do that? I mean, I found myself refreshing the screen every 15 minutes. This was like a week or so ago, and every time there was an update I wanted to know, and I had CNN on and news stories, and I would click, yes, I need to hear the news stories. And you're right, there wasn't a need for me to listen to all this or read it, but why was I just so compelled well, it's it's a little bit like the, the train wreck, right? I mean, everybody slows down or just even the, the fender bender on each one. Everybody has to slow down and take a look, right? We're just naturally programmed to look out for danger. And, um, and so uh, we'll tend to put our eyeballs on this. But, but one thing that will help is to sort of set up a schedule, set up a structure, right? I mean, some people <clears throat> are working harder than ever. They're busier than ever. And other people are working their jobs kind of the way they normally would. And some people are sitting at home, um, and they don't have a whole lot to do. And so for those people in particular, it's going to be very important to set up a structure and a schedule. And just doing that um, will help alleviate a lot of anxiety, Uh, even if it's a silly structure. At 11.45, I'll make tuna fish. At noon, I'll eat the tuna fish, right? At 2 o'clock, I'll watch Hogan's Heroes rerun. Um, you know, it, it's it's not so much what's in the structure. It's that we actually have something to do at a certain time of day and, and sort of develop this um, kind of structure and patterning. And it's very reassuring. It, it, it would be nice if we put in that structure a little bit of exercise. And by exercise, I don't mean Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of stuff. <clears throat> All we really have to do is just move the body, right? Move the body, change the mood. Um, half the women women on this island know a little bit of hula, and I tell you what, doing hula and bending your knees deeply, that's exercise. So put on your favorite song and and do a quick hula, right? Um, Another thing that's really useful to do is to pick any project, something that you want to do that you've been meaning to get around to, and I don't care if it's silly or profound. Um, It can be 
building a, uh, a model of the Starship Enterprise or a jigsaw puzzle or writing haiku or getting around to reading Moby Dick because in high school you only did the cliff notes. I'm sure I was the only one who ever did that. Um, <laughs> but whatever this project is, it's something that you control, that you can do throughout the day when you want to. And by choosing something that we're in control of that's predictable, that's concrete, it gives our brain a little break from all the uncertainty and anxiety and ambiguity of what's going on around us. Now, what if we've sort of gotten so immune to detecting that in ourselves that we're not even sure how to know if we're becoming super anxious about it? I mean, I think for some folks, you mentioned they might not have a structure, they might not be working, or they're doing something from home that's novel or different than they're used to. And then there's the other group that are going to work, and you said, like, working harder than Mm -hmm. ever. So they may not see this as much of a change to their daily routine, because they're still in their daily routine. So how does somebody assess their own individual level of anxiety about the situation because they may not be that in tuned to know that it's causing them a problem. How would you know? Well, one way to know is to just sort of pay attention to your breathing. Anxiety, by definition, is short, shallow breath. Sometimes when we're really anxious, we will actually hold our breath and not even realize that we stopped breathing. Relaxation, on the other hand, is always deep, slow breathing from the belly, from the diaphragm. And, and, you know, I don't know what it is in our culture, but neither men nor women are supposed to pooch out our bellies. So we almost always breathe high in the chest, and really we need to breathe deep in the, in the belly. So if you just put your hand on your tummy and breathe in deeply and let that tummy pull out and push against your hand, breathe to like a count of five. And if five is too slow, breathe to the count of four. Take two or three deep breaths like this. And you'll get an immediate check on your anxiety level, right? It'll shift, right? You'll know right away. Yeah, I just did that, and I'm anxious, and I didn't even realize it. (laughs) Because I'm like, oh, when you do those nice breaths, you really do slow down your heart rate. You kind of help your whole body just relax, let the muscle tension go. And I didn't even realize that I was so stressed and anxious. Because the other thing I think is somewhat helpful for folks is looking at this as almost a tremendous opportunity. You know, I think about Mm. this is there, there's a lot of things that are going on that are not good. But this is a time when we have seen some amazing people step up. We've seen locally groups who have said, we're going to help with some of the kapuna. If they have needs, we're going to create a service that'll go shopping for them or pick up, Mm -hmm. you know, toilet paper or whatever kind of needs they may have, we'll go get their medicine. We've also seen people step up and say, I'm going to call some folks and reach out telephonically. Because the other thing I often worry about is, here we are suggesting that loneliness and isolation are very difficult for people particularly for the elderly. Some studies have suggested that the risk of loneliness is almost as great as smoking when you get to be Mm -hmm. over a certain age. So we've now put all those people and said, stay home, don't leave. And that's creating more loneliness. So, you know, we've seen some people outreach and do some amazing things. Mm -hmm. I, I really wish they had called it physical distancing instead of social distancing, right? Because we really do need to be socially connected more than ever. We just don't need to be physically close. Um, Interesting. I, 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 I tend to encourage people to make two lists. 
One is the people that you're very close to and you're going to stay in close contact with throughout this, family, close friends, etc. And then make the other list people that you haven't been in touch with in a while. You wonder what happened to them. You, you just, you know, you don't know why you fell out of touch. Just life moved on. Make a list of lots of those people that you'd love to be in touch with again because sometimes in, in, in more normal times, it might be weird if I haven't spoken to you in years and I suddenly reach out to you with a text or a, a call. Like, what does he want now, right? But, but right now, when the entire world is going through a very similar thing, it's a great time to reconnect with people and just, you know, call up your friend and go, wow, I was just thinking about you and all the, all the fun we used to have in class and all the cutting up we used to do. And I was just wondering how you're doing and how's your family. And, and you know, people love to be connected with and thought of, especially the Kapuna. Um, and it's a great time to spend some of our time reaching out and reconnecting. It's a great plan. I've got to make my list. The people I know I'm going to stay in touch with. And I have had a couple of folks reach out from medical school days or even, you know, grade school and said, wow, I haven't heard from them in a while. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Martin Johnson on the line. And he is a psychologist with decades of experience really helping people to understand how they can work on helping their emotions and their physical health improve. When we come back, we are going to talk about some more techniques and tips that we could all use during this highly anxious, didn't even know I was, time around coronavirus. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak with Dr. Martin Johnson on the line. And we are talking today about what are some of the things that we can all do during this time that may be provoking a lot of anxiety. What are ways that we can measure that anxiety in ourselves and also help to handle some of these feelings, particularly when we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty about what's going on in the world. Now, right before the break, we were talking about ways that we can reach out to folks. We've got some lists that you recommend. You said on one side, put all the people you know you're going to keep in touch with. On the other side, kind of put a bunch of folks that you might have lost touch with. And how great would it be if you now have an opportunity to reach out, contact them, communicate with them, and sort of create that social network? I liked what you said, Dr. Johnson. It should be physical distancing. We don't want to suggest that people can't be social particularly over the phone, using different internet capabilities, Zoom conferences, or any way that people want to communicate with one another. What are some of the other ways that people can handle some of the stress and anxiety they may be feeling? You mentioned physical exercise, activity. You mentioned deep breathing. Are there other things we can do to sort of check in with ourselves, understand where we're at emotionally, and find ways to fine-tune that and maybe find a way to handle things a little differently? Well, I think one is, well, two things that will seem diametrically opposed at first. One is allowing ourselves to grieve, right? There's a lot of loss um, that has happened. It's been a loss of, uh, for many of us, our, our normal structure, our normal patterning. Um, before the show, you and I are talking very briefly about uh, we don't see patients face-to-face much anymore. Now, all of a sudden, it's telehealth, right? So this is a, this is a big change in practice patterns for a lot of practitioners. Um, but in lots of ways, our, what we expected to do 
over the next month has been disrupted. So we've lost some of our things we were looking forward to. We've lost our sense of normalcy. We've lost a sense of security. Um, we're confronted with mortality, right? Um, so all of this is a loss. And if you think of what you see people doing around the world as a process of grieving loss, it makes a little bit more sense. Most people are familiar with the, the uh, five stages of grief, and and they generally go, the first one is denial, and we've certainly seen that. You know, it's just the flu. It's no big deal. Um, you know, it's it's a conspiracy or some kind. I don't know. But but there's certainly some people, especially early on and still today, some people are just in denial around it. And then, you know, another stage of grief is bargaining. Well, if only this, then it would be okay. And if you stop and think about it, some of this hoarding toilet paper and canned goods and other things that we really don't need to hoard, um, it's a form of bargaining. It's a, it's a way of uh, reassuring ourselves, well, at least I've got a case of dinty more beef stew, so I won't starve in the next week, right? It's, it's just a bargaining chip with ourselves to sort of deal with whatever anxiety or fears we're going through. Um, another stage of grief is anger, and all you got to do is go online and you'll unfortunately see um, plenty of that. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to just sort of remind everyone that everyone's doing their best here. And, and, um, and, and uh, while it's naturally to have some irritability and anger, um, we don't need to really take it out on each other. And, of course, the other part of grief is sadness. Um, and, you know, I've certainly counseled a lot of people in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and in a time like this, tears are pretty normal, even if they sort of come up at unexpected times. Um, and again, it may be because, you know, um, we're scared or maybe because we're sad that we don't get to see our grandparents, our tutu. We don't get to, you know, do things we were looking to do. Um, other loved ones don't get to do things that we're hoping to do. So there's lots of room for sadness. Um, and, of course, you know, some people are ill, and, and there's actual grief with um, people's illness and losses, vitality, and the prospect of actually losing someone to death. Um, and, of course, finally, in, in grief, uh, there's a process of acceptance. And for most of us at this point, it's sort of settling into the groove, um, accepting that this is the way life is going to be for the next several weeks. Um, and sort of finding a way to sort of cope with that um, and, and setting up routines and, and ways that we can have some joy in our lives even as we go through this really sort of unusual time. So kind of forgive ourselves the fact that we do, you know, some people are internally judging themselves, saying, you know, I've seen some people who have said, I don't get to do whatever, and I feel bad that I feel bad about it, whether it be a graduation ceremony they're missing or they're missing certain times in their family's lives. And they say, I don't even feel like I'm allowed to complain about it because people are really suffering in other parts of the world. And so I'll often tell people that I'm seeing and I'll say, you know, you're the only one judging that and you're allowed right. to go through that process and be sad that you can't do what you thought you were going to do. You know, I had somebody say to me, I might as well rip up my calendar for 2020 and my planner. Why would I buy that? And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. you know, that's certainly true. But there are some things you could still put on there as highlights. And mm -hmm. I know that 
for a lot of folks, it's just the process of even just not judging themselves. I mean, if you're home all day and you have this list of things you know you need to get to and you can't function and do it, give yourself that time and say, okay, so I didn't accomplish my lifelong list of goals of if I stayed home, I would get the house cleaned and organized and I do all these things. What if all you can manage to do is sit on the couch and watch Netflix or watch TV? Maybe that's the best you've got at that day. And maybe that's okay. That's a really good point. You know, I counsel a lot of um, uh, students and graduate students um, and, and they're telling themselves, wow, you know, it's a great opportunity for me to, you know, get my thesis proposal together or, or, you know, get caught up on my readings or get this big project done. And they're finding that it's very hard for them to be productive at this time. And what I tell them is I also see a lot of faculty in my practice they're struggling with the exact same things. This is the time, you know, I could, I could get that proposal or that grant written. And it's very hard to be productive at this time when, you know, there's a fair amount of stress for, for all of us. Um, and it's very hard to sort of sometimes stay, stay focused and, and concentrate and be as productive as we think we're going to be. So I, I really, you know, sort of keep coming back to setting up the schedule and having some downtime on the schedule as well as productive time because... We all need to just give ourselves a break. Well, we need a little combination of both, I would think. Some productive time and some downtime. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Dr. Martin Johnson, and we are talking today about anxiety and stress in the times of coronavirus. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the other things that people can do. It does not have to include a lot of things that require you leave your house, and some things may be some ways to get in tune with your body. doesn't have to require a lot of medication. There's some ways that we can help help ourselves by using certain techniques we'll talk about in addition to the breathing and we'll we'll find ways so that we can all feel better together. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Locations, Haleakala Waldorf School, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak with Dr. Martin Johnson on the line. And Dr. Johnson, we were talking a little bit about forgiving yourself your lack of productivity and grieving the loss of what you thought was going to be your life for the next few months. And we don't know how long this is all going to take. And there isn't a set date. You know, I know that people say, okay, we're on this stay-at-home order until April 30th. And realistically, you know, depending on what happens, it might be longer. We don't know. So are there some things people can do? You mentioned keep a schedule. You mentioned do some exercise. Grieve the losses that people may have for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Don't judge what you're sad about, that there's no need. You can be sad if you're missing a great prom if you're a high school senior or if you're missing a graduation. And you can also be sad if you're losing a loved one. That that degree of sadness might be different, but honoring the feeling itself is certainly important. The other thing I often wonder is there's a lot of positive feelings that we get when we help other people. That sense of being altruistic, of of calming someone else's fears. I've often found when I'm in my office that if I'm on the phone with a patient and I'm helping them feel better, I wind up feeling better myself as well. It's like that altruism turns around and comes back at me. It's kind of a nice feeling. Well, now you're um, now you're stealing all my secrets. That's what therapists do for a living. So, 
Yes, absolutely. Well, share and, some and, more and, secrets. <laughs> right. And, and, and I think we talked about sort of reaching out to others and reaching out to Kapuna and, um, and helping out folks um, who we know sort of have it a little harder than we do. As I said, many people are fully employed and, um, and working hard. Some people are fully employed and kind of sitting around the house. And then other people, unfortunately, are, are you know, suddenly unemployed. Um, and dealing with some hard times. So there's lots of opportunities to, to reach out and be helpful to, to friends and loved ones. Um, I think also that goes along with sort of focusing on what we can do. There's so much that we don't know. Like you say, we don't know, um, you know, when this will end. We don't know um, how bad it will get or what, you know, there's lots that we don't know. But there's a lot of things that we can do, right? We can even if it's we can do the dishes in the sink, we can. Okay, I don't um, want to do that ever. Even when I'm home all day, it's never on my to-do list. I'm really bad about that. My life, my wife loves it when I do that. So um, there may be some gender bias here, but um, but whatever it is, when we focus on things that we can control and things that we can do, especially if we catch ourselves in some big anxiety, right, and and sort of spiraling off into. Well, what if this horrible thing happens? What if that horrible thing happens? It's really good to sort of come back to go, is that in my control? And if the answer is no, then let's find something that is in my control, right? We can go back to the jigsaw puzzle, or we can go back to, um, you know, watching something. Comedy is a good thing. You know, laughter is really quite healing, and there's no reason why we can't have a good laugh, which is not a good reason to connect. Um, some, of my, some of my buddies are some of the funniest people I know. Um, and so just connecting with people and laughing, watching a comedy, let's binge watch, uh, Seinfeld or friends instead of, you know, um, doomsday, uh, some, whatever. Right. Right, right, right. Um, so, so laughter is very helpful. Uh, focusing on what we can control is very helpful and connecting with others is very helpful. Um, I read a recent study that said that one of the stages of people who wind up doing heroic things, is that in the midst of a crisis, they often resort to what some people might call gallows humor, some things that are Mm -hmm. completely inappropriate, but allow them to laugh at very difficult circumstances. And it's not meant to be insulting. It's meant to help people, particularly Mm -hmm. those in the front line, to be able to handle some of the stress and horrible things they might be seeing or or looking at happen to other people. So, mm-hmm. you know, that laughter element. I have a colleague of mine who posts what she warns are inappropriate jokes and memes. And, of course, as soon as she says they're inappropriate, I click on those like nobody's <laughs> business. I want to see it, you know. And I find sure. myself laughing and giggling at just some silly things. So mm-hmm. that's certainly helpful. The other thing that I find is really curious is, you know, there have been a lot of people who – one of the groups that definitely doesn't have any work at this time are a lot of the musicians. So I've seen the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra. Some of the members have actually filmed themselves playing music, playing their instrument, playing with Mm -hmm. their family. I've seen some of the, you know, Hawaii Opera Theater chorus. Some of they, some of them have also posted pictures of just singing inspirational songs. And you know, you can go and travel the world virtually on the internet. Go to different museums, and you're allowed to look at some of their exhibits and some of their paintings, and do like a virtual tour. So I find that the other thing that 
that helps me out is to say, okay, there's this certain time when I'm going to obsess about science, what's going on, what are the predictive models, how many people are affected in the United States and all these different countries. And then there's a time to put it all away and say, Mm -hmm. let's tap into that other side of life, that musical, creative, artistic side that sometimes we don't have the time to appreciate. And now is a chance for us to interact with people in an entirely different way, tapping into those other resources that are out there that maybe we just didn't take advantage of or maybe they weren't there before. Just finding a different way to occupy your time that is totally outside of what you would normally think of as daily life and current events. It really is true that, you know, at this time in history, we have more ways to connect to information as well as to people than any time before. And, and yeah, it's a perfect time to sort of geek out in whatever way you like to geek out. To Well, it's not doing dishes, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that is I'll not my geek out. Again, <laughs> <laughs> but, but whether that's, um, you know, science or, or you know, um, recipes or music, um, I keep saying, although I'm working myself, but I keep saying one day I'm going to look up all the every year, all the Grammy winners in jazz, and I'm going to listen to that music. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm going to get to it this year, but that, that's one of my projects. The other thing I heard recently is Dolly Parton apparently is reading children's bedtime stories, and I want I want to tune in. I want Dolly Parton to read me a bedtime story. Um, so, so there's so many different ways that we can amuse ourselves and and sort of tune in to things you know serious and meaningful or silly and fun. Um, and, you know, now's the time to do it. Now, you mentioned earlier that you were seeing folks virtually. When you think about folks who really may be out there needing some help, how can they hook up with providers, uh, psychologists, et cetera, who they need to see if they honestly don't have the ability to get there? What are some of the ways this has changed your practice, and where do you think that's heading? Well, I, I, I'll tell you that just before all this happened, I was starting to do telehealth or video conference therapy, um, which is people can use their phones or their laptops or their tablets and can sign in through a secure uh, HIPAA-compliant medical portal and connect to their therapist um, and you know from their desk or their bedroom or their living room, or sometimes I'm doing a lot of car therapy. Um, because it's a private place where they can sit with their phone and feel like it's confidential, um, and so we'll we'll operate that way. And the entire therapeutic world has gone from face to face to teletherapy in about two weeks. It was really quite amazing to watch everybody scramble to come up to speed with the technology. But it's really very very simple. The other thing I want to mention is virtually all the local health insurance uh, carriers have. Uh, have dropped the copay for telehealth therapy for this uh, period. So not only is it available on your phone, but it is free. Um, there's no copay. Almost every major insurance company has waived it. So it's, it's not hard to find um, therapists. Um, uh, you know, I'm online. Uh, other therapists are online. Um, and if you don't have insurance, the Hawaii Psychological Association, I may get in trouble for dropping this a little early, uh, is putting together a pro bono network of psychologists that will provide therapy for free. Um, So they're working on that, Hawaii Psychological Association. Um, 
So basically, it's just about sort of looking up uh, online, looking up on Google, um, uh, a psychologist of your choice. Um, you don't need a referral to go see a psychologist or a psychotherapist. All you have to do is contact their office, um, which will be you know pretty much online or by phone. Um, set up the appointment, and uh, and then you find yourself a nice, comfortable chair to sit in, in a nice, quiet, private place, um, and you'll have your session from wherever you are. It sounds like we have really just taken ramped up telemedicine <clears throat> to provide the different types of services that are bringing therapy to you and even in your car, which is a place that I sometimes do admit to hanging out in because it's sometimes just a quiet, peaceful place to be. All right. I want to thank you, Dr. Johnson, for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. Thank you, Dr. Kozak. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we will see you next week when we talk more about life in the time of coronavirus right here on The Body Show. See you then.